0: hey everybody hello and welcome to beekeeping for newbies thank you so very much for tuning in today We've got a lot of cool content for you, and I'm excited to bring it, uh, bring it your way. I do want to start off with a quick apology. As you are probably aware, it's been a long time since the last podcast. We kind of did the you know high-level pilot, this is what we're going to do, and then we got a little more detail beyond that, and then it was radio silence. So I really apologize for that. Basically, what I had done is I have an office, and it's about 10 minutes from my house, I've worked in that office for several years. I used to have a small business there. I closed down years ago, but I really like having that space. It's a good place to kind of get away from the house and have, you know, peace and quiet and not interfere with things going on at my house and things going on at my house, not interfering with me. It just works really well, but there was a bit of an HVAC issue and the HVAC system is in the ceiling and it dropped a lot of water into my workspace Fortunately, it only damaged a display case. It did not damage my podcasting equipment or my laptops or anything else, but it kind of made me a little nervous. I ended up buying a, actually I bought it from a company. It's called uh, Sweetwater, just kind of plugging them, really good people actually, sweetwater.com, but it's a uh, case for my Roadie Roadcaster, Roadcaster Pro, which is what I use to do all the podcasting. And I bought that case to make sure it was protected in the future in case anything leaked on it again. But I also wanted to make it more mobile so that I could try and find a better way to make sure I'm still able to get the content out if I don't have that office space. So as I probably mentioned previously, I'm pretty sure uh, I have an apiary that's about an hour and a half from the house. And um, I've recently taken my RV down there just to have a place to stay and kind of you know keep a roof over my head when I'm doing work down there. And I've been spending a lot of time clearing trees and uh, trying to get a burn pile ready to clear everything out, so that I can get you know everything in the apiary fully relocated down there and, and established for uh, for next year. And I really wanted to get that done before it gets too cold. So with that, I've spent quite a bit of time down there, and I thought this is perfect. I'll just take all my equipment down there. I will hook up my mic boom to my little you know dinette table in the RV. And I'll go ahead and just crank out some podcasts from down there. No big deal. I realized pretty quickly that the sound of the generator running in the background to provide electricity was just not going to work out. Well, I know that there are people smarter than me who probably know how to go in and filter out that frequency of sound to make it where you can't hear it at all. I'm sure it's, it's a capability, a possibility. I just don't know it right now and didn't have the time or energy to mess with it. So I have taken a different approach. I actually have this little box. I don't even remember who makes it, but it kind of looks like one of those portable jump starters. And what it has on it is a couple of USB ports. It has a couple of regular AC outlets. And I've used this to, t- to charge two laptops simultaneously and still be able to charge my phone. And uh, it works like a champ. So I'm going to try that next time I'm down there. In the meantime, I have temporarily relocated to my kitchen which I don't know how long that lasts before I get forcibly thrown out of the kitchen. But in the meantime, we'll try and get a couple of podcasts caught up and work on a more permanent plan kind of moving forward. But I wanted to let you know that I do apologize. It was my intent to absolutely put more content out more regularly. But hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll get caught up here and we'll have some fun. Today, I want to talk about the equipment that you're going to need as a beekeeper. I remember... When I and I think I had mentioned this before as well, but I started with that book, you know, Beekeeping for Dummies. I think it provides a good overview. I, I still think it's a good book if you you know can get your hands on it. I think it's got a lot of good information in there, and it's it's useful. But if you're looking in in that book, or uh, or particularly if you go to a website of a company, and I'm going to pick on Man Lake, not not that I'm actually picking on them, I buy probably ninety percent of my bee stuff from Man Lake. I used to use Brushy Mountain years ago. I think they went out of business. But I'm not trying to pick on any of these places. But if you were to go to their website, and again, I don't even think Manlick actually does this. I remember Brushy Mountain used to. But if you go to a website of a company who sells a product, they're going to tell you why you need all the stuff that they're selling to do your job. I'm going to try and just explain to you all the things that you'll need and then also explain to you how those things become less relevant over time. So I think to kind of kick this off, I kind of do a little bit of an analogy. If you think about, like I remember my girls when they were little, they did gymnastics. Or if you think about like a trapeze artist or somebody who does something that's a little bit a little bit dangerous, they didn't go out there on day one and walk across a tightrope that was 200 feet above the ground with no net, right? They started, you know, a few inches off the ground, a few feet off the ground, maybe doing it above, um, you know, one of those padded looking swimming pool things with, you know, the big foam pads in them or, you know, things that they had a safety net. They had something there to protect them in case they fell. It sort of speaks to that old saying that amateurs do something until they get it right. Professionals do it until they never get it wrong, right? That's the type of mindset that they have when they're using these safety nets. They do things over and over and over again until they never get it wrong. And then those safety nets become less important. I look at my safety gear as a beekeeper, as that safety net. The difference is it doesn't matter how many times I do it right without having a problem. I have a big variable involved and that variable is like 20, 30, 40,000 bees, honeybees that you just have to have one or two of them that get upset by something you do and you can be doing everything right. But you just upset one or two of them, and it can really make a bad day for you. So I'm going to walk through the things that I think you should use on day one, things you should keep on hand as you move into months two and three or years two and three or whatever your pace dictates is best for you. That way you can start getting yourself to a place where not only are you keeping bees and getting through it, but you're sort of thriving in it. You're actually having fun. You're not uncomfortable and so forth. I think that when I remember or I think back to when I first started keeping bees, the idea of getting stung was pretty uncomfortable. I mean, I think everybody who's probably over, you know, 10 or 15 years old has been stung by something in their life, whether it's a honeybee or a wasp, yellow jacket or whatever. I mean, nobody nobody likes to get stung. There's nothing fun about that. When you think of voluntarily going into this activity where you have a significant risk of, risk of being stung, you know, Protection is, is pretty important. And also following good information. You know, as another example, there was a person who told me, you should never smoke honeybees. And so for the first year or so I kept bees, I didn't smoke them. And I had some pretty disastrous kind of experiences. I'll probably talk to him about, about those uh, later on. But you know, having the right gear, equipping yourself, protecting yourself is key. If you are safe and you're not getting stung and you're able to do what you're there to do, you'll start to have fun, you'll start to appreciate it. And it's, it's a great experience. Like anything else though, right? You know, once bitten, twice shy, you go in and you get stung really badly doing an inspection. You're not going to be real excited and thrilled about going back and doing another one anytime soon. With that, I'm going to go ahead and make a recommendation on the first item every beekeeper has to have. You're going to want to have a full head to toe bee suit. Now, how much you spend on this is kind of like everything else in life. You can get a really cheap one somewhere for probably about 45 or 50 bucks. You can get a really high end one for a few hundred dollars. I think probably somewhere in that middle in that like 80 to 120 range would probably be a good starting point. Typically the cheaper they are, the thinner they are. Now, if as long as you don't have a really really angry hive, a thin suit is not necessarily a bad thing. Even when I'm wearing my thicker suits, I still wear a pair of jeans underneath them. So I have, you know, I have my jeans. I have this, this suit. I'm, I'm warmer. I'm hotter than I probably want to be. But if I'm wearing that suit, there's probably a good reason for it anyway. So full body suit. Now, when you start at the, at the head, there are different options. You can have some that are designed to have a, like a beekeeper's uh, hat underneath, which is sort of that, you know, safari looking kind of hat. There are some that have a, um, full facial view where it's basically like a window that's more almost rectangular and it's pointed downward. So as you're looking down, you have a full view versus, you know, kind of that, that alternate view you have when you have the hat on it, just, it looks a little bit different. It really doesn't matter as long as your face is protected. Definitely look for something that has Velcro around your zipper openings. So as you, for example, um, if you're doing a full head to toe suit, Uh, You may have a zipper that runs, you know, kind of from your your midsection all the way up to the top. Look and see if there is a piece of Velcro that can go over that after you zip it. It doesn't take a very big hole for a bee to get in there. If you're dealing with a hive that's relatively tame and things are going well, chances are pretty slim they're going to mess with you too much. They're not going to be really, you know, going crazy to try and find a way in. If you've upset them for any reason... They are going to be doing everything they can to find a way in. And if there is a crack or a hole big enough for them to get into it, they will find a way in and they will cause a bad day. For me, I have, like I said, it's the full body suit and it has that more of that facial kind of view. And I just put a ball cap on. I just put something on my head. I ha- I remember this suit I had years ago. I think it was designed to be worn you know, with a hat, like the actual, like I said, that safari style beekeeping hat on the inside. And I didn't have it. And a bee actually stung me on my head right through that. So now I just put a ball cap on and that seems to, to work well for that. If you're wearing this suit, this is going to cover you head to toe when you get down to your feet. Again, if there's an opening and the bees aren't happy, they'll find it. And I recommend, you know, getting a pair of socks, you know, fairly thick if you can. Don't wear tennis shoes. Don't wear sandals. Now I'm a big violator of this. There are times where I go out and I look at a hive and I'm like, Oh, let me just take a quick peek inside and I'll open it up and I'll be standing there in shorts and a t-shirt as somebody who's been doing this for a while, who knows individual hives, that kind of stuff is okay. But for someone just starting out under no circumstance, should you have anything exposed right now, just get comfortable with doing the job of beekeeping, inspecting, observing, and then you can move on to other things later. So down at your feet, I recommend some type of a, a lightweight boot, maybe like a three-quarter, something that comes up over your ankles. I've been stung on the ankles, I don't know, a dozen times probably. And normally it's a situation where I'm wearing my suit and I've put on longer socks. I've tucked them into my boots. I've I've um, laced my boots around the uh, the legs of the suit. And then as I'm doing my inspection, I kneel down a couple of times to do something and the, the pants come untucked. And it creates a little bit of an opening. And if I've angered them, that's where they're going to go. The downside for me is even after all these years, as many times as I've been stung, if I get stung on the, on the ankle for whatever reason, it just still swells up pretty bad. So I have to kind of elevate my feet for a couple days. And it's just, it's goofy and it's weird, but it happens. And that's just the, my reality. So now moving back up, you know, up in your body here to your hands. As a beginner, I recommend wearing your standard bee gloves that are going to go, you know, of course, up to your wrist, but then they're also going to extend all the way up almost to your elbow. This allows you to provide good overlap from where the sleeves of your suit come down to your wrist and give you protection all the way up. You know, that way, if you do have a bee that is upset for any reason, they don't have a way to sneak in. It's important that you buy these tighter than looser. So if you're the kind of person who has, let's say, a a large size hand, but your borderline, maybe being a medium by the medium, they're going to be a little bit tight, but if they're loose, it's going to be so much more difficult to do that inspection inside the hive. than if you have nice snug gloves, now that we've got your body covered from head to toe, right? So you've got your gloves, you've got your feet protected. You got your full body suit. The next thing you're you're going to need is to start looking at the actual tools that you as a beekeeper are going to have. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. All right, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. Number one, most important, if you have nothing else... I don't want to say that. I was going to say, if you have nothing else, you're going to want to have this, but... There is another thing you kind of have to have too. They're probably on par as far as level of importance. So number one, hive tool. You have to have a hive tool. A hive tool, it kind of looks like a scraper kind of on one end and the other end is usually has a 90 degree angle on it. And the the alternative options for those would be like the one that would have a scraper on one end and sort of like a J hook on the other. It really doesn't matter which one you get. I would tell you to understand the differences between the two. The one that has that J-hook is actually kind of unique in the sense that you can slide it in between a couple frames and then turn it and lift the frame out. And uh, it makes it pretty easy to do that. The downside to that is inside the hive, bees are going to cover everything in the hive with this sticky substance called propolis. Propolis. When they do that, it is going to to stick those frames to the hive body itself. And I've had several times where I've used that J-hook style, stuck it in between two frames, wedged up to lift the frame, and actually ripped the top off of the frame. I've taken the whole top board off of the frame, and that creates kind of a bad situation. So I use the regular hive tool that just has a flat on one end, 90 degree on the other, and then I will wedge the frames left to right, which I'll go into this more detail later, but I'll, I'll move the frames kind of laterally, horizontally inside the uh, hive body first to loosen them up and then I can remove them. And again, I'll talk about that in, in much greater detail later, but you have to have a hive tool because with them sticking everything together, you'll, you'll go up and you'll take off your outer cover. That'll come off pretty easily. Your inner cover, depending on what you use. I've adopted something that the University of Guelph does. They're up in Canada. They have a ton of really good videos. If you go to YouTube, um, I can't even remember. It's, it's just University of Guelph. It's like G-U-E-L-P-H, I think. Uh, guy up there, I think his name is Paul Kelly, I believe. He does a great job facilitating that program. Uh, they got a lot of really, really great videos. But they use a cloth inner cover. They just cut sections of cloth lay that down on the inside for inner cover, works really well. So if that's what you have, you grab one end and you just peel it off. If you have a standard wooden inner cover, you're going to need to take that hive tool, insert that, wedge that inner cover off, and then remove it. Then that will then, of course, give you access to the inside of the hive. So that hive tool is a critical piece. Uh, I At one point in time, I didn't have mine. I couldn't find it. I think now I've got about six of them. But I thought, well, you know, I'll just grab a screwdriver. So I grabbed the screwdriver out of my toolbox, go in and start messing with that, and it was not the same thing. The screwdriver was basically bending the wood and and making dents in it, and it really was not effective. So I would say probably go ahead and buy at least two, you know, maybe three hive tools up front. Uh, It's always good to have a second one in case you have a helper, and it's always good to have a third one in case you lose one. The next thing that I was kind of debating on as far as which one's more important is the smoker you can definitely get away with doing inspections and being a beekeeper without a smoker. I would strongly discourage that. As I mentioned earlier from my experiences when I first started following advice that you shouldn't smoke the bees, that's bad advice. As far as brands go, you know, I don't think that there's really a... I know that there are some high-end brand name smokers. I remember somebody in a video at one point in time saying... Oh, I bought this XYZ brand and it's so amazing, it's such a great smoker. I don't know, man. They're about eight or ten bucks a piece, and you know, you fill them with a bunch of stuff, you set it on fire, and it makes smoke. I, I maybe there is something great about some of these other ones. I don't know, but I definitely recommend you know keeping a couple smokers on hand too. Uh, you know, you you really as a new beekeeper, one is probably fine. I have two just because I've had situations where again I'm just absent-minded. I have things laying around in different places. I set one down somewhere and I don't remember where it is. Is it in my bee shed? Is it in my garage? You know, I it can be anywhere, so I have pretty much two of everything. The next thing I would recommend would be some kind of a small tool belt. I think the one that I got was on Amazon. It was about ten bucks. That was Dickie's brand, D-I-C-K-I-E-S. And All that it is, is just a strap around the waist with a clip in the front. It has one big pouch and then one small pouch. And I think there's two or three spaces. there, big enough to fit like a marker. And I think that's it. So inside of that little, like little pouch that I carry, uh, it's like a, I kind of keep it like off to the front, you know, right side, almost like if you had a firearm, like where a holster might be. So I can just reach in and grab things. But inside there, I keep extra labels for my hives. In order for me to keep track of my hives, I use cattle tags to mark my hives. And it's just super easy. It works. I carry a couple of extra of those in, my, in that little pouch. Uh, sometimes I'll carry an extra hive tool because when, I'm, when I am get busy, I'll set one down as I'm doing inspections. And then I look around. I'm like, where did I put that? And I left it three hives back. So I'll grab the, you know, grab the next one. I keep a magic marker or a Sharpie. Uh, That way I can make notes somewhere on the hive if I need to. I usually have a piece of duct tape somewhere, so I can just make a quick note. I also keep one or two uh, queen markers, and these are just markers that are designed to mark your queens. So if you have a hive with an unmarked queen, or maybe there's been a recent swarm for some reason, and your queen actually left and you have a new queen, you just take the queen marker out. You go ahead and, and get her marked. And then you can put her back. With that, I also keep one or two queen cages in that little pouch as well. That way, I have a place to put that queen after I mark her so that, that the marking can dry before I release her back into the hive. Having all of these things on me when I'm doing my inspections, is it's just that's what I have found over the years works for me. Right? Your system will be comprised of what works for you. You'll go out, you'll start you know, doing inspections, interacting with the bees, and you'll say, oh, geez, I forgot this or I forgot that. Uh, Like one thing I just, I just kind of forgot about myself is uh, like entrance reducers. I usually carry about four or five blocks that are usually about three quarter of an inch by three quarters of an inch by anywhere between, let's say four to six inches long. I'll carry those in there as well. So if I see a hive that has any kind of unusual activity, maybe it looks like there's some robbing taking place or uh, anything that, that I feel maybe it's a good time to reduce that entrance for whatever reason, I have a couple of those with me as well. So like I said, you'll develop your system about what works for you over time, but I've spent way too many times saying, oh, geez, um, let me go grab that. And I got this open hive, and I've got to leave the open hive, go find a marker, and then I come back. Oh, geez, I forgot about this. Let me go grab that. Oh, there's a queen here that's not marked. I better mark her. And There's always some reason to walk away. So I've got all those things with me now. And, and the last thing I would say is I've been fortunate enough to have my daughter, Phoebe. She does a lot of you know, inspections with me and note taking. And it's really good for her and I when we're together because, you know, one person can inspect and one person takes notes. Uh, I actually have an application as well that runs on my phone or web based. It's a hive tracking kind of application, which it's pretty good. I'm not going to endorse it quite yet. More to follow on that. But I can just say to her, okay, yeah, um, I'm seeing this. I see that we have different abbreviations that we use. She makes notes in a notepad. And we do all the inspections. And then at the end of the day, I can go ahead and transcribe those into more detailed notes to keep later on. And that's going to be something that we will talk about later on about keeping notes, keeping track of the hives, why it's important, what things you should be tracking. But having a second person is really helpful. But you always want to keep a notepad or something that you can at least just jot down a couple of things real quick when you're in the field because and I'm getting, I'm getting older, but my memory is not really what it used to be. And if you have a rock solid memory, awesome. Great. You may not need to do it for me. I can literally go through five or six hives and I'm thinking, Oh yeah, this is perfect. I know exactly what happened in that one. And then I go down and like an hour later, I've done 10 hives and I can't remember. I just can't remember. I can think, Oh, there was something in this one. Was it that one or this one? It's just, it's a pain in the butt. Just make a quick note, and it can be just one of those little flip spiral things, right? You know, what are they, like about four or five inches high by three inches wide, something like that? Pull it out, write down, Hive zero, zero, one, noticed X, Y, Z, right? Just make a quick note and keep on trucking. All of those things that I just kind of mentioned I feel like are pretty mandatory, right? That is some, those are things that you just have to have. It, and again, it's not have to have because anything is especially cool or neat. It's, it's, these are the things you really have to have to protect yourself and be safe. Because like I mentioned earlier, if you have one or two bad experiences, you're not going to want to go out in the, in the bee yard or in your backyard, wherever you might be keeping these bees. At this point, though, I want to talk about a couple of optional things. Over time, as you become more experienced, you become more comfortable, you get to know the behavior of your bees and their temperament. You're, especially if you start to grow your your apiary, right? If you start out with two hives, and you know two years down the road you're sitting at ten hives, right? The more you get, the more work you end up having to do. The less junk you're going to want to have on in the middle of those hot summer days. I mean, I I can tell you I've had days in the summer where I'm eight or ten hives into an inspection at you know noon one o'clock, and I'm about ready to pass out, right? This is kind of in my earlier days where I was covered head to toe and, and, you know, it was just, it was painful. The first thing that I started to shed or remove was my gloves. Now, someone had recommended to me, well, try the nitrile gloves, like the five millimeter blue nitrile. You can get them at Harbor Freight. You can probably get them Amazon or anywhere else. I know it's a little bit tougher now with, with the virus to track down PPE and things, but those five mil gloves It was recommended because you can get your dexterity back, which is really important, right? If you squeeze a frame that has honeybees on it and your fingers are on a bee, if you have either bare hands or uh, those nitrile gloves on, you can feel that movement under your finger and you lift your finger up and the bee walks away. If you have those big goofy gloves on, you're going to squeeze. You're not going to be able to really feel the movement of the bee. You're going to squeeze it, kill the bee, and pull the frame out. When you kill that bee that bee's friends nearby recognize that bee just got killed. And that's a quick path to making the rest of the bees in that area pretty upset. Switching over to the nitrile gloves gives you a little bit of protection, and the bees can still sting through that. Um, I've had situations where a bee will land on me, sting real quick but fly away. She doesn't actually push down far enough for the barb to hook into my skin so she gets to live. If in that scenario with a nitrile glove, you, know, you would probably feel the, the prick of the stinger hitting your, your skin, but you wouldn't be receiving you know, the, the toxins of the, the stinger as it would be if you know, she had fully inserted the stinger into your, your hand and then pulled away. So the nitrile gloves will provide some protection, but mostly you're trying to go for that dexterity. What I did was I tried that out, and I realized pretty early on, I wore them I think maybe two times, and I wasn't getting stung. So I took them off pretty quickly. So gloves were the first thing to go for me. I will discuss uh, in detail later on as to kind of my process for inspections and how I do it and why I believe that the gloves aren't as necessary. They're a great confidence thing for a new beekeeper. As a new beekeeper, I would highly recommend keeping gloves on because as you start removing frames those first couple times, you're going to lift a frame about a third or a quarter of the way out and you're gonna, it's going to slip and you're going to drop it. And as soon as you do, you shake up those bees and they're, they're going to get a little agitated with that. Get your system down. Get to where you feel comfortable. You feel good with what you're doing. And then switch over to those nitrile gloves. It's a good transitional thing. And then start looking at moving over towards no gloves. And again, the reason I say this is your dexterity is important. And being able to feel what you are grabbing in the hive and, and not squishing bees is important. If you have a good hive, and, I, and I'm saying you know, 90%, 95% of the hives I inspect don't sting me, occasionally I do get one that gets agitated. She'll fly up, she'll sting me. I will just reach over, you know, scrape the stinger out, take my smoker, put a couple of puffs of smoke on it, because they do leave that kind of pheromone behind, which tells the other bees where to sting. I put a couple of puffs of smoke on it, and then I go right back to it. Now, in any hive I've inspected with no gloves on, I have I've been stung with One of my more aggressive hives, which I should have had gloves on anyway, they stung me, I think, three times on my hand. I got like two on my right hand and one on the left, something like that. And I, you know, I stopped what I was doing. I put the gloves on and I went back in and finished my inspection. But really, probably 95, 97% of my hives, as long as you're calm, put a couple of puffs of smoke out, you know, you're taking things slow. You're not, you know, shaking things around, causing a lot of vibration. It really shouldn't be an issue. The next thing I want to talk about is what I use almost I'm going to say for inspections I use it 100% of the time. The the only time I really fully suited up anymore was with this one kind of aggressive hive that I had. They were great honey producers. They produced a ton of honey, but they and they were very hygienic and they could overwinter. They had a lot of great traits, but their temperament was terrible. So I used a full suit for them. All of my other hives, I have this, it was, I think it was $18 on Amazon. Last I saw it was about 20 or $21. It is just a very lightweight pullover with a veil on the top. I put a baseball hat on, I slide my hands in, I pull this over and that is all I wear next to a pair of jeans and my boots. So I still protect my feet and everything but I just wear jeans and I use that all the time. Aside from that, my other recommendation would be just a standalone veil. I believe that I could probably use just the standalone veil now by itself for everything and be fine. Cause my bees, again, if I'm calm and I'm gentle with them, they're calm and gentle with me, but I just, I really haven't made the transition, but I recommend having just a standalone veil by itself that you can put on. And uh, there's a couple different options on how you do it. You know, the, the, as far as what types you can buy or whatever, but the one that I have, It just has a sort of a rounded face with a, um, you know, top hat, or not a top, but like a puffed up kind of middle section that could accommodate room for a hat. And then the veil comes down the sides. There are two pieces of string that come out of the back of it. You take one around your left side, one around your right side. Come to the front. There is a loop in the front. You push both of them through that loop. So now you have both the strings pulled through, and you pull it kind of snug. You wrap both of them around your body again, back to the front, and tie a little bow tie. That I, I've seen. There's a guy. I think he's up in Canada somewhere. Younger guy, probably like in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. And you see him all the time wearing Carhartt coveralls and that veil, and that's all he uses. No gloves. You know, he's wearing a short sleeve T-shirt, and that works fine for him. Uh, what I would recommend if you're still on the newer side of that, maybe wear a long sleeve flannel or something that gives you a little bit of protection, but that veil is fine. I highly recommend just the standalone veil. I think it it makes a lot of sense. The reason I kind of want to harp on that that veil is there are times where, let's say for example, you just need to trim the grass around the hives. Depending on the time of year, bees can be a little more agitated. It seems to me in the springtime, there's so much nectar and pollen and they're just hustling. Like they're a little bit more tolerant to me being around the hive and things that are going on around it. As we get to the time of year we're in now in October, um, they're a little bit more protective of things I've found. And again, they're not aggressive. My bees are not aggressive, but they will kind of come out from their perimeter and let you know that they're not happy with you being there. But I really, I stressed the use of just that standalone veil or, or something that has a veil because It was, I think, January, about a year and a half. It was almost two years ago. I I was walking out. It was like a 55-degree day in January. And I know if the temperature is above about 48, 50 degrees, the bees are going to be out. I walked by one of my hives, noticed bees coming in and out. So I was probably about three feet away. I walked up directly in front of the hive, looked down, and this bee came right out of the front of the hive and went right above just kind of right in between my eyes, slightly to the right a little bit and stung me on my forehead. And I was thinking, why in God's name did you just do that? So I was, so I, you know, I pulled her off and I, you know, got the stinger out. And I think it was two days later, my right eye was completely swollen shut. I, you know, I ended up having to go to the doctor, get some steroids and about another two days after that, it was fine. But I was getting to the point where it was, going to, was starting to swell up both my eyes. Right, You have to protect your face. I, I strongly discourage anyone from inspecting hives unless you've been doing this for a really, really long time. Don't do that without something protecting your face. Right? You can tolerate a sting just about anywhere as long as you're not allergic. But the face is just a bad place. Well, folks, I feel like we've pretty much covered everything that, that I wanted to cover today. Um, you know, this is a good foundational level you know, equipment that you can get started with. This will give you everything you need to get out there and start doing inspections and maintaining your hives. And like I mentioned earlier, as you start doing this, it's, it's literally like anything else you do. As you start doing it, you develop your system and what works for you. Don't let people tell you, oh, no, no, that's wrong. Oh, no, no, you shouldn't do that. I mean, if you're doing something that is actually really, really bad for the bees or, or for the hive, that, I get that, right? There are certain things you should and shouldn't do. But when you create your system, create your system based on what works for you. Because there, there are a lot of things in this. Are, there's not necessarily a hard and fast, you know, right and wrong. It's just find what works for you. Find what's best for you and your bees, and everything should work its way out. As you may know from the previous episode, we were going to have our friend Phoebe, the Phoebe Keeper here on. You know, High School Life has her a little bit busy, and I get that. So we are going to try and get her on probably for Episode 5, if I can make that happen. Uh, so let's see, this is episode two right here. we got episode three is, is teed up already. What we're talking about in episode three is going to be ordering your bees. We're getting to that time of year now where it's time to start making plans for next year. So I'm going to talk about the different options you're going to have, places you can buy your bees. And, you know, as always, though, if you have any questions, just go ahead and, you know, go to uh, beekeepingfornewbies.com. There's a contact us section in there. Just, you know, hit that, send me a note and I'm happy to answer any questions. If there's something you'd like me to cover, you know, I will definitely cover that, you know, in the, in a future podcast. Like I said, next time it's going to be, you know, figuring out your, your bees and how to order them and what you're going to want to get the episode beyond that is going to talk all about hive bodies, parts, pieces, components, considerations of all of those. And hopefully by the time we get through these next couple of episodes, you'll at least have everything you need you know, kind of physically, mentally, and, and, you know, be prepared to go into the spring. And then beyond that, we'll start talking about your setup and how you set things up and things that are important and all that good stuff. So, folks, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Take care. Let me know if you have any questions, and uh, we will definitely talk to you soon. Thank you.